I think maybe like some of you, I grew up watching Mr. Rogers. So by Fred Rogers, of course, I think we're familiar with that show. And it's one of those things that I really liked when I was younger. But as I got a bit older, I started to think it was kind of silly or kind of shallow, like kind of simplistic. But when it comes to Mr. Rogers, I've had a bit of a conversion or change of mind as well. Because as time has gone on, and I think this is partly because there's been some movies made about his life. There was one with Tom Hanks recently. I've come to see that really he was doing something quite deep, something profound with that simple show. I even went on to find out that Mr. Rogers went to seminary. He trained to be a Presbyterian minister. So for him, his TV show wasn't kind of explicit in the Christian message, but it was very much guided by this. Now, there's a famous interaction that Mr. Rogers had with the United States Senate in 1969, I think it was. You can Google it on YouTube. It's quite an interesting video. And Mr. Rogers is there because he's trying to make sure his show, which is on public television, continues to get funding. So he has to go in front of this Senate and convince these politicians to continue to give him money. And he explains, or he's forced to explain, the purpose of his show, why he does this. And his answer is very profound. He says, and again, he doesn't say it explicitly, but in the end, he says he wants to convince or teach these young children that they have purpose in life, that they have a mission. And he says he kind of saw all the other entertainment that was there, and already at that time it was quite violent, or to his mind had little meaning. And he wanted to teach the children a different way. He wanted to teach them simple things like how to manage their emotions, but also to help them realize that they're part of a larger human family, a community. And because of this, they have a call of responsibility to serve those around them, to be kind to people close to him. And Fred Rogers explained that it's so important that we grow up, these children grow up, we all grow up with this sense of purpose, a sense of mission. If we don't have this, sometimes our life can be confusing. Our life can feel that it's not as much value. This then is so important for all of us, this idea that Mr. Rogers conveyed. And in Christian terms, we would say we all have a vocation. We all have a mission, a call from Jesus that he leads us to. And this mission to build up the kingdom of God gives us purpose. The readings today, the first and second reading, are continuing this theme of call or mission from last Sunday's gospel. And these readings help us to kind of reflect upon our own call and maybe doubts or hesitancies we might have about it. The first, I think, very powerful message we get from the readings is that none of us have to be perfect to be called. We can kind of get into this trap, can't we? We can think, okay, I have my problems, I have my difficulties and struggles in life, I'm from far a perfect person. How can Jesus possibly call me to participate in his mission? I need to clean up my life first. So for those of you who think that way, and we all, I think, at times think that way, let me introduce you to Jonah from the first reading. Jonah really has problems. Jonah, when we look at the story, we can be a bit confused and think, okay, he's this great prophet. But in fact, Jonah was having all kinds of problems responding to God's call. God came and asked Jonah to preach repentance to the people of Nineveh, that either they repent or God will destroy the city of Nineveh. And Jonah, quite frankly, didn't want to have anything to do with this mission. The people of Nineveh were the sworn enemies of the people of Israel. Jonah did not want to preach conversion to them because he wanted them to be destroyed. 
So what does Jonah do? He flees. He goes in the complete opposite direction. He gets into a boat and goes completely as far as he can, possibly away from Nineveh. And in this whole process, Jonah never turns to God. He never prays. All the sailors who aren't even from Israel are praying. And finally, God sends a whale to swallow him up. And Jonah offers a half-hearted sort of prayer. He gets spit up and he gets dragged, essentially kicking and screaming to complete his mission. And then Jonah gets to Nineveh and he preaches repentance. And the people of Nineveh, we hear his enemies repent from the king down to the smallest people, even the animals, it says. And how does Jonah respond? Jonah's upset. He goes off into the wilderness and he mopes. Jonah had a lot of problems. He was, had difficulties. He had his prejudices. Yet God used Jonah in order to complete his mission. We don't need to be perfect to have a mission from God. And we see this too with the apostles who Jesus calls. Simon, later to be called Peter, his brother Andrew, the brothers James and John. These individuals all had struggles, especially before Jesus rose from the dead. We see this especially in Mark's gospel. Some of the later gospels, Mark's written first, but some of the later gospels actually clean up or kind of Photoshop, you can say, the way that the disciples respond. It's often said that when it comes to Mark's gospel, the only thing that Peter and the other followers did correctly was decide to follow Jesus in the first place. After this, they were obstructing Jesus' mission. They didn't understand him. Later, after the resurrection, they begin to kind of get with the program more and more once they receive the Holy Spirit. But we learn from the first reading in the gospel that all of us have a call. None of us are perfect, but yet God can use each and every one of us. We see in the gospel, and I think this is an important message in the gospel, that when God calls us on this mission to build up the kingdom of God, God wants us to use the talents that he has given us. And sometimes we can get into a kind of another way of thinking that if I want to serve God, I kind of have to leave my other way of life all behind. If I have these talents in a certain area, it could be in business, it could be in teaching, in healthcare, that when I serve God, I kind of got to leave it behind and do something different. Well, the gospel kind of imparts a different message for us. We see in the gospel this interesting change that occurs. Peter and his brother and the others were fishers. And then Jesus says, now you're going to become fishers of people. So we see kind of a continuity in the life they had before and the life they have after. Now, this idea of being fishers of people, Jesus is probably tapping in to a prophetic tradition, especially Jeremiah, where fishers of people are people sent by God, even angels, to proclaim God's message, to build up the kingdom. So they certainly have a different mission, but they're still meant to be fishers. There's some continuity here. And Peter and the others, Jesus, I I assume, and I certainly believe, wanted them to use all their talents they had before, but now at the service of something greater. We can think again that Peter was kind of very simple. We can think he was the sort of fisher. He was out there maybe dangling a hook into the lake there at the Sea of Galilee, maybe from from the, the shore or maybe in a boat. But when you kind of learn a little bit, when we learn a bit about the context in which Peter was operating, we see that it was kind of a complicated industry that Peter was part of. Peter was in the north of the Sea of Galilee, and archaeologists have actually discovered the city there in Capernaum where Peter was, the wharfs that were there. When you go to the Sea of Galilee today, it seems very picturesque, very quiet, but it was not like that at Peter's time. Peter was kind of at the boundaries between provinces, 
There would have been people speaking different languages, trade booths. Peter would have had to interact with Roman soldiers, with Greek-speaking people. He caught fish, sure, but he had people working for him. He also had to go and trade this fish with others. So Peter was kind of a bit of an entrepreneur, you could say, a small business owner. And he had to use those skills at the service of God. We ultimately have skills and talents. We've been gifted in different ways. And God wants us to use all these talents at the service of the kingdom of God. God doesn't want us to leave it behind. When he calls us, he wants us to use our unique talents at the service of God and neighbor. The final message we get, and I think this comes across so strongly in the second reading, is that we don't have forever to make a choice to follow Jesus. Jesus calls us now, and certainly we're going to respond imperfectly, but we need to respond, not to put it off. Paul, in the second uh, reading today, in the first letter to the Corinthians, responds to a community and is trying to give them advice about how to live. And Paul, in this reading, says a very interesting statement. He says, the current form of this world is passing away. Now, what Paul means by this is that with the coming of Christ, there is a new creation. And the current world that we have is in a state of change as this new creation becomes all and all. And although there are good things in this world, there are also less positive things. And Paul wants them to focus that they live now in the new creation that will be fully actualized when Jesus returns. They need to focus on what is most important. Live the gospel here and now. We too in our lives can be led in different directions, but it's important to focus on what is most important, the gospel, to focus on what we will live, the life of God we will live in heaven. There's a story about a young Russian um, kind of young adult who was called up to go to war. He was conscripted and he went before the magistrate and tried to convince the magistrate that he could not serve and he had to give reasons and he was explaining that he had been reading the New Testament. He had been reading Tolstoy and he became convinced that we needed to live in a world where there was peace, where there was forgiveness, where there was no violence. And for this reason, he could not go to war and he could not fight and kill people. And the magistrate responded and chided him and said, look, you need to be more realistic. This is so beautiful, this way of life you describe, but this is the laws, the way of life of the kingdom of God, and it hasn't yet come. And the young man responded, yes, I know these are not yet the laws of Russia, the way of life, or maybe even the laws of the world. But for me, because I believe in Jesus, the kingdom of God has come already here and now, and I need to live this way. I need to follow Jesus now. We too need to keep this in mind. It can be difficult to follow Jesus. It's a process, but we don't want to put it off. So today then the readings remind us that we each have a call. We each have a vocation to build up the kingdom of God. And this really gives us purpose, hope, and direction in life. Let us maybe consider that even though we are imperfect, we each have different gifts and talents that we can uniquely use in this mission, that we too are called to be fishers of people, building up God's kingdom and gospel.